The Magic Book Club Podcast. Hello, it's Tom Price here. How are you? Thank you so much for downloading the Magic Book Club podcast. This is episode two, guys, and today we're going to be talking to Fiona Harper. She's a brilliant author. She's done all sorts of stuff, uh, and her new book, The Memory Collector, is out now. We're going to be talking about it now. So I'm absolutely thrilled to say that today we are joined by a fabulous author who has written about 638 novels. Is it that many, Fiona Harper? Maybe 610-ish less <laughs> right. than that. Okay, right. How many, how many books have you written 26. That's loads. That's loads of books. I know. I can't quite believe I've written that many. And how long, how long before we get on to your latest book, which is called The Memory uh, Collector, which is out now, how long does it take you to write a book like that? How long did that take, please? Um, well, it takes about a year from start to finish, the whole process. Okay. But probably about six months writing the first draft. Yeah. And then I hand it into my editor and she sends it back. And I hand it in again and she sends it back again. Okay, so you <laughs> have to have a good it, yeah. relationship with your editor because yes. you're going backwards and forwards all the time. Yes, kind of just tweaking things, changing mm-hmm. a few things. Because when you've spent six months writing something, you have no perspective yeah. on... Sometimes I can't... T- I think the piece, pace might be a bit slow in this section, but I really can't tell. Yeah. Whereas someone with a fresh pair of eyes who knows what they're talking about can say, yeah, that storyline's bogging the thing down. Take or, it away. Yeah, to get get rid of that... Add a bit more Tighten magic. the pace up here. I mean, we've been told to cut more word, cut more words because yeah. I tend to waffle a bit. Right. And then... <laughs> I do that as well. There's some great editors here at Magic that can clip your wings. If you, they'll just say, "Tom, be quiet." Um, that's brilliant. And you started off before we start talking about the Memory Collector. Uh, you started off writing Mills and Boone novels. I did, yes. Which is a very common thing. People. That's how a lot of people start. Uh, yeah, I think nowadays people might jump more into self-publishing um, and do that. But yes, it was it was a way to um, get someone to look at my book without having an agent. Oh, I see. And um, and yes, I actually joined an organisation called the Romantic Novelist Association. And to imagine have... their Christmas party. Oh, it's fabulous! It'd be amazing. Is there one? It is. Yes. It is. So There's a lot of wine is drunk. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's. I think we already had that image in our head. <laughs> I think we already assumed that. And then gin. There, yes, yes. <laughs> and there are a few men, but it is yeah. mostly women. Um, and uh, yes, they have a new writer scheme where you can, if you join as a new writer, you can send in your man- manuscript to be critiqued by uh, a published author. Mm. And I did that, and they said, we really love your book. And the scheme organiser um, said... I'm going to send it to my editor at Mills and Boone. And were you like, hello, what? Oh I, I, I hadn't shown my writing to anyone apart from my husband. I no. hadn't told most of my family I was writing a book. So up until that point, what was Fiona Harper doing with her life? Um, I was a mum with two small children and I kind of worked part-time as an administrator in my local church. Wow. <laughs> and then you wrote a book. You've gone and done wrote a book. I did, yes. <laughs> but then I had to write another one. Um, yeah, that well, that's it, isn't it? Bit. Another one, another one. That difficult second novel. So do you think doing the Mills and Boone has taught you how to make it into a discipline, how to sort of become more of a machine and get them, you know, get them done? It, yeah, it helped me get used to the industry. And also, because Mills and Boone's quite short, you really have to focus on that one relationship. So rather than adding in lots of new characters and, oh, I'll just fling this in and fling that in to make it more exciting, you have to learn how to go deeper. Yeah. And then to cut all the extraneous stuff that's just bogging your story and down just stay out of the deep. way. Yes. Right. And, and that was really good yeah. uh, practice for kind of really have to kind of really go down into people's emotions and yeah. find out what makes them tick. So that and that's what what makes you tick as a writer is it's all about the emotions. Is it events for you or is it about emotions? It is it is it is really about the characters and kind of the, how complex people are. But I do like a good kind of twisty turny. I think. 
Um, yeah, Another I thing do to like a, a few twists and turns, and I, I like. One thing about Mills and Boone is you always have that happy ending. So I get reviews saying, oh, it's really predictable. They got together. It's like, it's a Mills and Boone. Yeah. What did you expect? Like, <laughs> in the Midsummer Murders, they're going to solve the crime, guys. That is what's going to happen. Yeah. But more recently, I've been able to write books where it's not a foregone conclusion what the ending's going to be. And I've really been enjoying that. Do you know what the ending is when you start writing it? Sometimes. I'm fascinated by that because famously there's a great book about Lee Child and about his process of writing the Jack Reacher novels and he doesn't really know where he's going to go from chapter to chapter and it's, I mean, that's terrifying because if you start writing and you're like, this is rubbish, I'm not on board with this, you've got to keep going because you've got to get to that deadline, right? You have, you have. And I've always thought of myself as a real plotter Mm. Uh, but I try to do a really detailed outline uh, writing the current book and it kind of killed it for me. And then I read a book about writing organically, or what we call uh, in the in the trade, pantsing. Pantsing? As in, pantsing as in flying by the seat of your seat pants. There are, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do that a bit more with this book. I'm not going to plan as much. I've got ideas of things that I know I want to happen, in, and, and I'm kind of... But I'm not getting too stressed about not being able to know what what's beyond in the next couple of scenes, maybe. Yeah. And just concentrating on those. That makes then... so much sense, because otherwise you're going to get bored of your own book, because you're going to be with that book for all. Anyway, we must talk about your book, the new book, and not just waffle on about how to write them, because people <laughs> want to hear about uh, The Memory Collector. It's just come out now. It's a, it's a fascinating thing. You have pulled at this thread of hoarding. That, I know. That is the trigger for this whole thing. Why did you pick up on that? Well... It was because I had two ideas that clicked together, which is quite often what happens when I I find an idea for a novel that I really think is going to work. I'd had an idea about um, a child going missing and maybe it not being everything that it seemed. Mm. And for that idea to work, I knew they needed quite a dysfunctional family background. But all the things I was coming up with weren't really working. And then one day, after I'd been watching Judge Judy, which Mm. is my favourite... I take a break and I watch an episode of Judge Judy because it's 20 minutes, cup of tea, Judge Judy. And after that came on an episode of Hoarders. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And that would be the perfect background for my heroine to have come from. You're the first person to take serious creative inspiration from daytime TV. I know. Well, probably not, actually. The next book will be about the Jeremy Kyle show. Uh, Yeah, but I watched about 100 episodes of Hoarders. I just record them and watch them when I was eating my dinner, when I was... Do you think we're... Because I I find the hoarding thing fascinating, and there's a reason those shows are massive, because they they tickle something inside our heads. We've all got that potential in us, I think. I know I have as a hoarder, definitely. So when I see those shows, I do think, yeah, they're but for the grace of God. That is exactly who I could end up being. Well, the weird thing was, as I was writing the book and researching it, I started looking at my house and thinking, why is that pile of junk there? Why do I have so much rubbish in my house? I mean, not that mine's... I haven't got a hoarded house, but I suddenly noticed the little things that you become blind to, you know, that little pile of magazines in the corner over there. And I was thinking, why is that there? Why am I... And it really made me think about streamlining my own house and getting rid of a load of stuff. It's so interesting because good fiction shines a light on different parts of your life, even if it's just that little moment where you go, oh, yeah, and you look at yourself. Interesting to hear the writer... Having the same having the same yes. thing <laughs> as the reader because that's what's happened with me totally. You know, reading this book, I've started to think about. This. I've got a pile of um, like uh, journals uh, that I've been meaning to read, like the best bits from the Sunday papers, and it's starting to go yellow now, and it's getting quite <laughs> big. And I'm like, oh, I'm hoarding because I'm telling myself I'm going to read the article, and it's like it's from we're going back months now. I think the hardest thing was getting my husband and kids to get rid of stuff. My husband, he's not a hoarder, but he's solution to tidying anything is just make a pile 
Um, so the pile is not mess. No. And if I say, could you tidy it up, the pile just moves to somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for but, that. And he has, gone to, got, he has gone to the dump to throw things away. He go, went to throw away his, his record player he had when he was a teenager. Yes. And he came back with the arm. Oh. And I said, why have you brought that back? He oh, said, it's for sentimental reasons. That's it, though, isn't it? But that is, from that good place, and that's a perfect example of the good place, can come the really dark contents of this book, right? Yes, it's when it's... I mean, we all have things, objects that are special to us and hold memories and remind us of people and happy times, but it's when that becomes out of control. Mm. And hoarders, quite often, you could hold up a piece of rubbish and a precious item and say, which one should I throw away? And they would not be able to tell you. Yeah. Because they've lost that ability to be able to prioritise. Yeah. Um, and so everything is rich with meaning and memory. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then those people have kids and then the kids are affected by it. And so that, because this book is also a lot of it is about family and about siblings as well. I found yes. that really interesting relationship. Give us the kind of, um, I don't want to say give us a sell because that's horrible. I don't want you to pitch the book. But for, for listeners who are thinking, yeah, this could be a good book for me to read now. What is the, what is it about the story that's going to make us want more? Oh, well, there's a bit of a mystery in it. My main character, Heather, um, her mother's died mm. and she's ended up without wanting to with the custody of the remains of her mother's hoard, which she's slightly terrified of and she keeps in a locked room in her flat. And one day she has need to go looking for something in there and she finds a newspaper article that says she went missing when she was six and she doesn't know anything about it. No one in the family has said anything. And so she realises she's going to have to find out what happened. Maybe this is what triggered her mother's hoarding. Um, and she's facing a few issues of her own and she's thinking, maybe if I can work out why my mother started behaving a bit strangely, I can, I can deal with some of my own compulsions. Yeah, yeah. And so she sets off to find out the truth. Yeah. And are you proud of this book? Do you think this is a good one? I hope so. It's very difficult to say because you spend and so long writing it yeah. and it's... I've, I remember all the scenes that got cut and mm. all the bits that didn't work. And so it's very difficult to come at it with a fresh pair of eyes. Do you get to do a director's articles. cut where you publish the version that's just the full manuscript with no notes? That's, that's no. the dream, isn't it? Stick that out. I don't know. I don't think that's the dream. <laughs> no, I think no, that's no, a no, nightmare. No. <laughs> with all the spelling mistakes as well. Oh, yeah, there's <laughs> lots of those. <laughs> um, talk to us a bit about your passion for reading as well, because it says in your, your bio in the book that you were a massive fan of reading as a kid. What kind of stuff? Do you still read now as a writer? Do you find oh, that? Oh, yes. Because it doesn't like cloud your vision if you're reading other people. No, well, I think some writers say they can't read in their own genre when they're yes. reading. But but I find actually, I'm I'm quite often reading women's fiction or okay. romance. I do like a good mystery as well. So mm. I've always got a couple of books on the go. At the moment, I've got one on the shelf by my bath that right. I read when I'm in the bath, and one on my e-reader which I read when I go to bed. Right. Okay. So. Good. So you have two books on the go at once. <laughs> at least, yeah, and but probably a non-fiction one as well. Very poor discipline. <laughs> that is very poor discipline. I'm very anal about that. I have to have one book on the go at all times. I can't possibly indulge in more than one book. Otherwise, I get distracted. Um, okay. And uh, what is what is the perfect place for you to read? I guess it's maybe it's the bath. Is that is that the best place? Bath's good. Yeah. Peace and quiet. Mm. Well, not now. My kids are older. Peace and quiet. So how many, how old are your kids now? Uh, 21 and 17. Oh, you're living the dream, Fiona. I am, yeah. You, can, you could probably get to the end of a thought or a sentence. I can't. Well, they still want to come in and talk to me. Right. But I have developed a look. because My desk is in my bedroom because I don't have an off, another spare room in my house to make an office. Yeah. Um, so I've now developed a look where if someone comes in, I my head twist around and I shoot this look at the person and they back out going, sorry, sorry, Show me I'll the come look. back Let later. me see the look. I'll be, I'll be one of you. I'll be, inter- I'll be <laughs> interrupter. You're halfway through a chapter. It. It's a really important bit. Um, <laughs> I can't do it now. Fiona, can I, can I just ask you, is it... Oh, yeah, I want to leave the room. Yeah, I want to leave the room. <laughs> 
That was quite scary. That was yeah. quite scary. I inherited it from my father. He's really good at it. And it took me till I was in my 30s to know, oh, I've got the look. You've, so, you've I've got, got the, the look. look. That's what we'll be playing next on Magic. Uh, <laughs> sort of ducked your head as well. It was good. It was great. It was really effective. So um, where do you write? So you write in, in your bedroom. You've got a little corner set aside. I do some, actually most of the time because I get a bit distracted inside the house working from home. So it's so to. easy to kind of think, oh, I'll just do this, especially when it's not working mm. and I'm a bit stuck. It's easy to go and clean the bathroom instead, which is the only time the bathroom gets cleaned. So, you, um, so your family know if mum's <laughs> so having a bad time with the book, this bathroom is spotless. <laughs> yeah. So what I do is I take myself off to one of my local cafes in town quite early, like 8.30, 9 o'clock, and mm. I'll sit there for an hour. And if I can get that first session done with no distractions because I've got nothing else to do but sit there and drink coffee and write, yeah. then I find I can then keep working throughout the rest of the day at home. So I quite often can be found um, in my local town sitting um, in Cafe Nero. I will keep, we'll keep an eye out, keep an eye out. She's got a loyalty card. I bet she's got a loyalty card. Of course she has, of course she has. One latte will last me six hours. Thanks, Cafe Nero. Cafe Nero has sponsored lots of writers. Um, what is your... What's your next plan? What's going to happen next book-wise for you? What are you thinking? I've got a book I'm working on at the moment... Uh, my main character, Laura, um, her husband doesn't know her real name, but he doesn't know this. She changed her identity when she was a teenager, but now somebody is sending her anonymous notes saying, I know who you really are. Oh, I love stuff. And um, she's a little bit panicked because, it, you know, she's been lying to her husband for 20 years yeah. and it could all go pear-shaped if the truth comes out. It's all about getting those hooks, isn't it? It is, it is. And that is a good hook. Well, we're you know, curious like, as human beings, aren't we? So as soon, as soon as there's a mystery, we're like, oh, I want to know what, what that's all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had to take a book that isn't one of your own books, obviously, I don't know, it would probably be weird to take one of your own books. To, we're talking the Desert Island scenario. We're talking you've got one book, you're on a, um, you know, like the, the Trans-Siberian Express, you're going miles and miles and miles. Which one would it be that's in your house at the moment? Oh, it's really hard to pick. Yeah, I'm you know, I'd of... say the Bible or anything big or War and Peace because <laughs> that's cheating. Um, I have been binge reading Leanne Moriarty recently. Oh, so, and I think my favourite of hers is Big Little Lies. Yes, of course. Because it's funny, but there's a mystery, and it's all about people and the, the complex things they do and yeah, yeah. their motivations. I really enjoy those kind of books. And also a fantastic TV show as well. Yes. So, actually, that brings me quite neatly onto this. If this were to become some kind of TV or film scenario, who would you uh, who would you cast up as as Heather and Faith and people like that? I have no idea. Oh come on! You've got to plan that. <laughs> you've got to have that ready. Oh my goodness! I honestly don't know. I think it, I don't think it really matters what they'd look like. Mm. They'd just have to be able to. I'm just trying to think. What have I, I go seen? Claire, I go Claire Foy. Yeah, so Heather. I need. I she's think, good, vulnerable, but she's sort of uh, yeah. She's sort of got energy about her. I think it would work. Yes. Talk to she Foy. She would be excellent. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Fabulous. Fiona uh, Harper, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us here on Magic. Thank you. There you go. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back very soon. We've got some great authors lined up for you in the coming weeks. Thank you again to the brilliant Fiona Harper. Don't forget, the Memory Collector is out now in shops, online, and of course on audiobook. Hold up. 